We've been spending the last couple of weeks talking about water and baptism, about how it's important to wade in as deep as the water will go, about how it's important to think about what makes us renewed and refreshed. And today we continue to recognize that in the midst of the storm, God is a place of peace and tranquility. I want to welcome you to Chapelwood United Methodist Church. Um, my name is Peter Camerano. I'm one of the pastors here. As you're coming in and getting uh, comfortable, we want to welcome you uh, into a holy space, a time of worship, a time of community, and a time to be together. Um, I think our uh, worship band is going to uh, start us off with some song. Good morning. Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. As water splashed across our face awakens us in the morn, may your word awaken us to your presence. Wash us in your wisdom. Bathe us in your goodness. Refresh us with your grace. By the power of your Holy Spirit, amen. I'm going to test your memory, see if you were paying attention during the children's sermon. The scripture today is Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Right then, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowds. When he sent them away, he went up onto a mountain by himself to pray. Evening came and he was alone. Meanwhile, the boat fighting a strong headwind was being battered by the waves and was already far away from land. Very early in the morning, he came to his disciples walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. They were so frightened they screamed. But then Jesus spoke to them, be encouraged, it's me, do not be afraid. Peter replied, Lord, if it's you, order me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Then Peter got out of the boat and was walking on the water toward Jesus. But when Peter saw the strong wind, he became frightened. As he began to sink, he shouted, Lord, rescue me. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him saying, you man of weak faith, why did you begin to have doubts? When they got into the boat, the wind settled down. Then those in the boat worshiped Jesus and said, you must be God's son. The word of God for the people of God. So one of the things that uh, I enjoy to do uh, as a hobby uh, is to go sailing. I have a tiny little boat. It's a laser. Um, uh, it's a really glorified windsurfing at times. Um, if you don't get wet um, when you're uh, sailing a laser, you're not doing it right. Um, uh, you, you know, it's not a yacht, right? Uh, it's um, a dinghy, uh, literally. Um, I love it when I meet folk, they say, oh, I want to go sailing with you. And I say, um, my boat is made for one and a half people. And if you haven't noticed, I am one and a half people. <laughs> so good luck, right? Um, going sailing is enjoyable. It works for this preacher. The idea of going in a destination that you can only plot based upon the direction of the wind 
And the speed is a matter of the speed of the wind um, is a beautiful thing. There's something nice when you get out on Christmas Bay and it's just flat and beautiful and peaceful. Now, what's nice about Christmas Bay is it's so shallow that if anything goes wrong, I just get out of the boat and walk at home, um, you know, because it's a... There was, there's been two times where I've really kind of questioned uh, the wisdom of sailing. Um, one was just this last fall. I occasionally have this whole high expectation thing and think, hey, I have a boat. I'll go into the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, you, you know how this is going to end, right? Uh, and so I'll pull up. Uh, I can launch off the beach, which is really kind of convenient. I rigged up. I launched off a surfside. And needless to say that the end of that trip was my boat capsized, turtled, uh, the mast stuck in a sandbar, um, me making the horrible choice with a life vest to swim a half mile back into the beach. Um, and I got to meet the chief of police from Surfside. <laughs> we will say nothing else. Um, I did spend about a half hour on the back of my boat, right? Kind of a la Jaws, if you will, right? Where, you know, you're sitting in the place where the water is supposed to be. And, um, and I prayed loudly <laughs> half a mile out. I, I wanted something spectacular. I, I wanted God to fix this. Uh, I wanted uh, the Coast Guard. I wanted um, somebody, right? Um, the current was pulling me into the, uh, uh, the channel for the Freeport uh, uh, port. Um, and, and I could see the tankers lining up. And I just really didn't want to be the ball in dodgeball uh, with those tankers. It was a strange moment. It was not unlike the praying that I did. Um, it was, let's see, the last day of uh, Amy and I's honeymoon, uh, we were in Jamaica. Um, you know, it was an all-inclusive resort. You could, uh, you know, uh, Amy enjoyed the get a massage or have a manicure or pedicure. I enjoyed the, hey, let's go do something, um, you know, that's challenging and exciting. And they had sailboats down on the beach. And so I went down and in the brochure it said, um, free, we'll teach you how to sail. I thought, that was kind of cool. It's probably, it's probably a day-long course, right? Uh, probably comes with a certificate, right? I mean, this is right up my alley. So I get down to the beach, and I find uh, one of the guys, it was Jamaica, right? And I said, hey, um, when's the next uh, sailing instruction course? And he said, Yaman, right now. And I thought, ooh, <laughs> this is not going to go well. And he says, Yaman, come on over. He says, here, he says, you sit here, you hold this rope, you hold the tiller. And he says, put the wind at your back, always, man, always. And I said, well, what about that whole tacking thing? He said, oh, yeah, man. He says, uh, throw the tiller, duck, and sit down. <laughs> always keep the wind to your back, yeah, man. And I said, yeah, man. Uh. So I would go out every day and sail, and it was a nice little cove area. It was not, uh, you know, not bad wind and not bad waves. And, and I'd done this every day. It was kind of like Amy would go for a massage and I would go sailing, right? That was kind of how we would spend the afternoon. And on the last day, I thought, Amy, come and enjoy you know, what I've been doing, I, I would love for you to come with me. So instead of, uh, they had a sunfish and a catamaran. So I'd never sell the catamaran, always sell the sunfish. I said, come on, we'll take the catamaran and go out. 
catamaran. Some speed on that thing, right? And we are, you know, and she's holding on, and I've got the wind at my back, you know, and, and, and I'm thinking, eventually I have to turn around, right? I mean, like, Cuba is that way, but it's, it's not gonna go well, right? And then you can see as you got out past the little cove that over the mountains, there were some uh, clouds coming. They were dark and menacing. And Amy said, shouldn't we go in? And I said, yeah, we should go in. Well, let's do that, right? And so I said, all right, in just a minute, I'm gonna throw the tiller and we're gonna you know, duck and we're gonna sit down and the wind will be back. It'll be wonderful, right? Well, um, uh, to, to tack a catamaran or really any boat, you have to have speed. And, um, and I had speed, um, and when I went to tack, um, it, it, it didn't work, something didn't happen, right? The, the sail was all fluffed, and, um, and I said, well, let's try again, and so we, we take off again, and we try to tack, and it doesn't work. And we get to the point where we've lost all of our speed, and we are a, a nice little picnic platform um, going, right, as the clouds are coming. And in that one, Amy told me I could tell this story, in that one moment, Amy looks at me and says, I really don't like boats. <laughs> and she begins to cry. And I begin to pray, Lord, please don't let my father-in-law find out that I made my <laughs> wife cry on our honeymoon. And we eventually get back in, and Amy and I have a wonderful agreement. I will sail, and she doesn't have to, right? What is it like uh, to want spectacular expectations, right? In that moment when we were doing this uh, on the water, I really wanted something miraculous, right? I didn't know what it was, but Lord save me from making my wife cry on our honeymoon, right? Uh, Come and show up with an army of angels, it doesn't matter what, but I've made poor choices, it's time to go back in. I think there's some element of that in our scripture story today. Right, Jesus has had a full day, he's fed 5,000 people, he's sent his disciples across uh, the lake. Now remember when we talk about lake in the Holy Land, this is not lake as in uh, Lake Jackson Farms' lake. This is not lake as we might think Lake Conroe. This is like Lake Michigan Lake, right? With its own weather patterns, with its own kind of movement, almost like a tiny ocean. And it's often known uh, in the Holy Land that on the lakes, um, a wind could kick up and a storm could arrive and it was clear when you started sailing. And so the disciples are not um, strangers uh, to water. They, many of them were professional fishermen. Might imagine that as they're going across the lake, they're fishing uh, to um, get their food for the next couple of days. Uh, Jesus is on the shore, gone up into the mountains to pray. Uh, a storm whips up. And it, and it lasts all night long. They fight a direct headwind. They fight the waves and the rain in their boat uh, all throughout the night. And you'd think that in the morning, the storm would die down and all would be well, but the storm continues. And I imagine they were thinking, yep, Jesus has gone up into the mountains to pray. A lot of good that's doing us. Preacher gone on retreat again. Well, good for him. Uh, You know, what are we going to do here? And they are so tired and terrified that they look off to the horizon, and here comes something. 
right? Biblical times, you're expecting boats or sea monsters or ghosts. And here comes not a boat, not a sea monster, must be a ghost. And they get terrified and they cry out, right? This is not just, ooh, I'm terrified, but this is like, oh my gosh, something's wrong. We've, you know, we're in the midst of the storm all night long, and now something is walking on the water towards us. Now, oftentimes this scripture passage is preached uh, about um, if you had more faith, um, you'd be able to walk on water, right? That's the story that's about to come, right? Uh, Jesus shows up, Peter says, Lord, if it's you, I think that's interesting, if it's you, then command me to walk to the water, on the water to you, and it'll be so. And Jesus says, come. And Peter gets out of the boat and he walks. Now remember, the storm has not died down, right? We tend to think Jesus shows up, the storm goes away. But the storm is still active. And Peter, as he's walking on the water to Jesus, uh, realizes he's in the middle of a storm and begins to sink because he doubts and gets distracted. And he cries out for Jesus, right? Lord, rescue me. Rescue in the Greek is similar to the English word save, right? Lord, save me. And so Jesus uh, scoops him out of the water, grabs his hand, takes him to the boat and says, what? You have little faith, you weak man. Interesting words, right? And as they get into the boat together, the storm dies down and the disciples worship Jesus for who he is. Now we tend to start the preaching about the, uh, you, um, you know, if, uh, if it's you, Lord, call me out and I can walk on the water. And usually the end of the sermon is if you had more faith and you didn't doubt, God give you more, uh, more blessings. But I really think there's something wrong there. I- I'm not so sure that if we had more faith, we could a- be able to conquer the demons in our lives. I don't think that's true. I mean, um, when we talk about storms around here, any, anybody rode out a hurricane before, right? Yeah, I mean, anybody kind of thought, gee, if I had more faith, maybe my house wouldn't flood, right? I mean, it's, it's interesting that we call hurricanes an act of God, but in scripture, if you had more faith, all this bad stuff wouldn't be happening to you. I mean, it, it converts to me, it, you know, it translates to me, if you had more faith, that divorce wouldn't have come your way. If you had more faith, that recurrence of cancer wouldn't have come back. If you had more faith, maybe they'd have laid off somebody else instead of you, if you had more faith. I mean, think about that. I mean, I remember as a young pastor uh, with hair and thin, um, I was uh, associate pastor at Bel Air and it was Sunday morning. I was getting the prayer together and the, you know, all those things that uh, Kate does so ably here, I was getting ready for. And that week I was gonna have surgery for a, uh, a newly discovered uh, genetic disorder um, that I um, was the first mutation. Now that's, that's a cool word for someone to say, you're a mutant. Uh, anyways. <laughs> So it was gonna require an open abdomen uh, procedure where they would uh, take out a portion of my digestive tract. And there was this guy who kind of floated in and out of the church that I was serving. He was really kind of a charismatic and he loved to go to a mega church and he believed in the prayer of faith was effective in a faithful man's life. And he walks into my office because I'd keep my door open because you never know what's happening on Sunday. And he walks in and he says, you know, pastor, if you had more faith, you wouldn't have to have surgery this week. If you had more faith, 
So you can see how I think it's strange for us to start in the midst of the story of talking about if you had more faith, you would be able to walk on water. I think we have to rewind the tape a little bit more and go to the place where um, the disciples have forgotten about Jesus. Jesus is on the shore. And it's impossible to imagine that Jesus might walk on water and come to them in the middle of the sea. That it's so shocking that uh, Peter feels like when Jesus shows up, he has to test to make sure that it's Jesus. If it's you, Lord. Okay, so like, could you imagine an Old Testament prophet, right? When the angel of the Lord shows up saying, do you really work for God? I mean, like the the Jehovah God, the Yahweh God, that's yours? Wow, I'm not gonna believe you. Can you do some loop-de-loops with those fancy wings of yours? Could you imagine challenging and testing the presence of God when God shows up in the middle of the storm to rescue you? That's essentially what Peter's done, right? Peter says, if it's you, Lord, call me out to you and I will be able to come. It's not unlike me on the back of my boat saying, Lord, something spectacular, please. I got a lot of cash wrapped up in this boat. I can't see it float out to the Gulf of Mexico. A helicopter rescue would be nice. Coast Guard, that'd work well. Instead, I get a pickup truck with the chief of police from Surfside, which I'm thankful for, right? but only after I left the boat and swam a half mile in, realizing really quickly how people drown after I got a couple of facefuls of salt water. You see, Peter negotiates with God for more spectacular shows of faithfulness and love. If it is you, well, I wanna walk on water, right? I mean, that's something that we only imagine that God would be able to do, to walk on water, to calm the storm, to speak to the winds and the rain, and to say, peace, be still. But instead for Peter, Peter wants a little more sizzle with his steak. It could be said, some commentators say, that why couldn't Peter figure out that it was Jesus by staying in the boat? Is there nothing miraculous, divine, and beautiful of having a faith such as a mustard seed that you can see Jesus coming and name it for what it is? Why the negotiation, if it's you, Lord, show me some fireworks. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't do fireworks and that miracles aren't present. And I believe strongly that when praying for someone who's ill or close to death, that it's okay to ask for the miracle that's completely different, right? Peter isn't sitting in a situation where he's about to die. He's just afraid. And Peter wants to negotiate. Uh, He wants to make sure that when he writes the book, there'll be something exciting in that chapter. Spectacular expectations. Sometimes we're told uh, that if we don't have enough faith, that life wouldn't be so hard. But I would say that in the midst of the storms of life, in the midst of those places where you are fearful for who you are and whose you are, that God is good for God's word, that God shows up, that God stills the storms. And if not in that moment stilling the storm, he stays with you until the stillness comes. That the way to slay the dragons of life is not to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and buck up Brother Bill and walk across that bridge, but instead it's to know that the world 
is the world, and God is on our side. Uh, It's been an interesting last couple of weeks. Um, uh, Many of you know that when I was appointed here, uh, Wesley Wellborn, the pastor here, went to Port Natchez, which is where I came from. Uh, And so having spent five years at Port Natchez, you know, connected with those folk uh, in a really special way, there was one particular couple, uh, family, that adopted uh, Amy and Grace and I. Um, They were about our parents' age, and um, they had adult children that were our age. And oftentimes, if there was a holiday and we couldn't make it back to see our family, they would invite us to be there with their family. And so after moving uh, here to Chapelwood, we still will vacation with them. Uh, you know, Fourth of July or um, uh, New Year's Eve is often spent together, whether it's there or here. We've just become bonded. And so right after Christmas, I got a phone call from them. They said, um, Rhonda, the mother in the family, has gotten pneumonia. People get pneumonia. That's okay. And then later on, it's, it's become double pneumonia. Uh, um, then later on, it's a phone call saying they've intubated her and they're life-lighting her to UTMP. Okay, we're starting to go from the normal to the strange. And within two weeks, being at UTMB in the ICU, um, she died. Um, the doctor said that she uh, had a condition in her lungs which had uh, uh, aggravated the ability for the lungs to take the oxygen and put it into the bloodstream. So no matter, no matter what they did, no matter how high the pressure was, no matter how uh, high the percentage of oxygen was, they just couldn't get it past that barrier and she died. And so uh, with Wesley's permission, I came and sat in the pews for her funeral. I shared it on the prayer list, and thank you all so much for lifting up our family in prayer. And uh, Wesley stood at the pulpit, and he said, he began, right, here's this woman full of life, within three weeks dead. And he says, you know, many people have said that it's a tragedy. Many people have said that this is tragic and shocking and shouldn't have happened. And he says, let's not forget that Rhonda is in the presence of Jesus, that we all dream of being in the presence of Jesus, that it's a good thing to go to heaven. Let's not forget that there's a great hole that's been created by her loss. And it will take us a long time to figure out how to fill that hole. And maybe we won't be able to but let's not turn a good thing into a bad thing. I have to tell you, sitting in the pews, listening as a worshiper, it did my heart good. It did my heart good to know that uh, though I may not understand the storms that are here, that I may not understand what the future might hold, I know who holds the future. That God is a God of surprises. He's also a God that provides. And so when life surprises us with storms we didn't plan for, uh, it's not one to say that uh, Rhonda's faith just wasn't enough and that's why she died. No, no, no. It's better to say that God is present with us in the storms, that God is present with us in the difficulties, that God is holding us, caring for us, and walking with us. It's easy to say that we probably need to clean up before we take a bath, that baptism is a wonderful experience, but hey, don't muddy the waters. You know, you're really quite messy. Can you get a little tidier before you come to baptism? But I've never seen 
the waters of baptism either become muddy or cause someone to drown. There's a powerful moment when you know you're in the hands of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, one of those next steps for you, uh, light and easy, um, could be uh, wearing uh, your Chapelwood or Big Five Six or youth shirt next Sunday. Uh, LM is, uh, or uh, some of her helpers are in the lobby and they would love to sell you uh, a t-shirt if you would like. Um, there are all, all kinds of colors and all kinds of designs and um, would love for you uh, to wear that next Sunday as we show our support for our youth and children's ministries. Um, if today's the day that you feel uh, God's called you to join this church or to make a profession of faith, we'd love for you to come down during the closing hymn. Our closing hymn is My Hope is Built. Um, it, it's a good old standard. Um, you can find it in the hymnal on 368, but it'll also be on the screen. David Hill, come and lead us in My Hope is Built. So, so I'm a little bit of an instigator, right? So we do all of this fanfare when someone joins the church, right? But when folk move and leave, we don't do a whole lot. And so uh, I've asked the Carlsons, uh, Liz and Glenn, uh, they've been a part of the church for a couple of years here now, and uh, they're moving to another location. And um, I, they uh, um, took my instigation well. And so um, I wonder, as we ask you questions, uh, having, you know, uh, when you join the church, we say, having accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, will you support this church by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, your witness? I think an appropriate question is, uh, so having journeyed together, and having been changed by that experience, will you take what's happened here and experience it someplace else? And I think together we could all agree and say, we will. Wonderful. I, I hope that you'll take an opportunity to greet the Carlsons uh, as they go. Um, of course, you know, once you're connected to Chapelwood, we don't ever let you go. And so uh, I'm sure uh, that there'll be ways that we connect in the future. But for now, let's grab a hand for our closing benediction. Almighty God, we give thanks that in the midst of the storm, you are a harbor of peace and stillness. So Lord, as we find that place of peace and stillness, remind us that you have called us not to spectacular actions, but to faithful obedience. Send us out into the world to love others on behalf of you. And everybody said, amen. amen.